All right, I'm with Ernest Anemone. Hopefully, I said your last name right. Uh, it's getting better. It's getting better. Anemone. <laughs> How's that? Anemone. <laughs> now it's getting worse, but no. Oh, my I, God. See, that's why I, we had to do it right away. See, I'm it's terrible. Okay. This yeah, is like Ernest Anemone. I'm, 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 and believe yeah, it or not, I'm that's not a stage name. That's actually, that's my family name. What's the, what's the cultural background? What's for that last name? Uh, Sicilian. Oh, so you're Italian then? Uh, yes. Uh, but the, the name itself is Greek. But, uh, well, I don't know how much of the history of Sicily we should get into, but they're in the 13th century. People had to choose surnames and they were just choosing names of whatever they saw around them. I don't exactly know how we got the last name in Nemini, but it, so they saw like a, the sea creature and they just came up with the last name. That's one. That's one possible story. <laughs> so my, I'm, I'm Italian. I'm, I'm Toffolo. So I, I thought that just people are just trying, wanting to follow me. So basically, that's what how I came up with my last name. So, <laughs> and that's another story. <laughs> yeah, and that's why we love stories. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? So you wrote this script, uh, Family Affair, uh, and then, and then basically, did you produce it as well? Yes, uh, I produced it with the the help of uh, Kyle Burt, um, who was my line producer. Okay. And then, so tell me about the, the making of this film. So the, I'm, I'm assuming this is a kind of a personal story for you. Uh, it is. And it isn't. Um, it really, it's, it's first and foremost, a comedy it's meant to uh, entertain people. Um, but also I believe in the power of comedy to teach people. And I think many times in our conversations about uh, gender, we confuse gender identity and gender expression, and we limit uh, the possibilities of either. And uh, without giving too much away, I think that this story does a pretty good job of exploring what that might mean. Yeah, and I think everybody can kind of relate to a certain extent to your character, your main character as well, right? Like there's a secret, and uh, he does uh, usually when you have a big secret, you don't want anybody else to know. And but then at the same time, it kind of there's some trauma and some some stress that that's involved in that kind of having that carrying on with that secret as well, I guess, right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, he's keeping a, a secret a secret relationship from his mother and from the audience for for most of the time. And uh, the reason why he's keeping it a secret uh, is most likely to protect his mother as much as it is to protect himself. Um, but yeah, I, I think that uh, we do a pretty good job of keeping the suspense alive for the audience and also keeping uh, the jokes coming <laughs> because uh, just because you're talking about serious subjects doesn't mean that you can't have a little fun while doing it. Yeah. hundred percent. And the, the, like, the, it's almost like it use is used as a distraction from a storytelling element from like to carry the narrative forward because you are, like I said, you are revealing something later on, I guess. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, you know, we're, we're a 15 minute short, which I know, I guess, depending on your opinion is possibly on the longer side of a short. And I'm a big believer in, uh, at least in, in, the, in the genre of shorts, but probably all genres, there really shouldn't be a single second of wasted screen time. Yeah. Um, I don't think that anything uh, should drag or um, can drag uh, when you're, you're filming a short. Uh, and that's what we really uh, strived for with this is we wanted the audience to to be engaged um, from the start to the finish. And she and the mom's keeping a secret, I guess. Right. She likes to smoke some dope. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the thing about uh, secrets is, is that yeah. we all got them, um, but we rarely talk about them. Uh, you know, there, there's an old expression that if we were all to sit in a circle and confess our sins to one another, we would die of boredom. 
<laughs> you know, the idea is, is that uh, we're all pretty much going through the same things uh, as people. Um, but mm. we, we often keep a lot of that uh, secret from one another. Yeah. You ever heard the expression too? It's funny that you sit in a circle with somebody and everybody's got to throw in their major problems in the circle mm. and you could pick your, what, what problem you want. And generally you want, you pick the same problem you already have in a sense. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh I think that actually comes from from an old uh, Jewish story, yeah. a Jewish folk story, uh, which, uh, yeah, I love that. Um, it's because those are the, the problems that are familiar to us. So even though they're problems, there is some comfort in uh, in having a problem that's familiar. Right? Yeah, you can generally resolve it, I guess. <laughs> or at least you, you know what you're in for, I guess. <laughs> well, yeah, that, that too, 100%. So tell me about, like, obviously, like... Uh, did you do you ever did you ever thought think about directing this film or I'm just, I'm, I'm always curious because this is obviously your your baby in a lot of regards but you chose to get somebody else to direct it for you. Yeah, so uh, I, I did think about it, and this what this is my first film um, that I've written and produced. Uh, I do have a, a second film on the way that I am planning on producing, but the director of this film, uh, Julio Dawson Singh. Uh, he's been a friend of mine for a while. I've worked with him on uh, a number of other sets. And I just knew that he would be able to bring the, the heart uh, and the lightness uh, to the story that it needed. Um, because I was happy with what I put on the page, but you know, making what you put on the page come alive in the way that you imagine it, uh, obviously, is a different thing. And Julio has a way of um, illustrating you know, the intimacy and the tenderness uh, between uh, people. And uh, I think that he, he just knocked it out of the park with this one. So I was very happy to work with him. It makes a lot of sense what you say, because it's like tone wise, it's it's like you're because you're throwing a little a lot of genres at the same time where like you don't want the comedy to overwhelm the story and the drama. You don't want it to be, you know what I mean? Or you don't want the comedy to fall flat because it's just it's too it's too sad or too dramatic, I guess. Right. You got to find that balance. 100%. I, I couldn't have said it better myself. Uh, you know, I'm somebody who was raised on the the raunchy comedies of the early 2000s, for, for better or worse. Like American Pie? or <laughs> Sure. I mean, like that was what was in the, the zeitgeist at the, at the time, uh, you know, and when I was in college. And, you know, the, the great thing about those movies was is that they were so easy in so many ways to uh, just sit back and enjoy and, you know, take the ride. Uh, more often than not, uh, gay people, queer people were thrown around as easy punchlines to all of the jokes in those films. Sure. I mean, if you go back and watch them now, I mean, how many times the F slur gets just, you know, casually dropped is appalling. And, you know, as a young... And you're lesser than, if you're calling somebody that, obviously they're, they're lesser than human, I guess, right? That's why they're calling them that name. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. It, it's it's the difference between whether or not you're making somebody the butt of the joke or putting somebody on the inside of a joke. I mean, I personally think that there's nothing that comedy can't touch and, and can't potentially uh, heal. Um, we, there's, there really is nothing that we shouldn't be able to, to joke about as long as we're joking about it in a way that moves things forward and brings people in. Um, but when you're just joking about people uh, to, to de dehumanize them, I mean, that's not a joke at all. I mean, yeah. that's that's something it's different. Easy humor, I guess, right? Yeah. So, you know, there, there's, I'm sure you've heard it before. There's a bunch of people who uh, these days say, oh, well, you can't tell a joke anymore. You just can't tell a joke anymore. Everything is too politically correct. And, uh, you know, I'm going to call bullshit on that. I mean, that that's not true at all. Um, you know, first of all, in terms of uh, the queer community, 
nobody jokes about the queer community better than the queer community itself. <laughs> I mean, we, we launch a scorched earth campaign against ourselves and it's pretty hilarious. Um, we joke about pretty much everything. Um, but it is that difference between whether or not you're, you're making somebody an outsider or you're using comedy as a way to, you know, to heal and to move forward. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, that's, that's, that's a more difficult way to, to, to and I think that you, you're talking about standups and, and comedies in general. Those are the ones that stand the test of time because you, you're right. There is a positive, there's a non-judgmental aspect to, to the comedy, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I personally just think that, you know, it's very lazy of, of a comedian and, you know, somebody who has, has disappointed me greatly, of course, is Dave Chappelle, who I think in many ways possesses, uh, you know, a, a masterful talent yeah. in storytelling. Um, he, he really can tell a story like no other people. And the way that he has come after uh, um, trans folks has just been the low hanging fruit, which, you know, he, he possesses a uni unique ability to be able to elevate the conversation um, to, to some place, uh, the places where it needs to be. But um, I think many times comedians just go for that low hanging fruit because it's, it's into the path of least resistance. It's easier. They know they can get an easy laugh, but really they should just put in the work to, to, to elevate the comedy. But th that said, they, there's, there's a, there's obviously an uncomfortable kind of uh, homophobic or whatever you want to call it element to that person to make them want to tell that joke as well. Right. So they're, they're like, they're, it's low hanging fruit for them because it's, it's, it's what they're feeling inside. Right. So. Yeah, and I don't, I don't think that there's anything wrong with uh, exploring the contradictions that we have inside of us uh, in terms of our writing, in terms of our comedy. But it, again, it should never come at the expense of other people. Uh, it's really not that complicated of an issue. It's like, are we looking to build a more inclusive world or not? Mm -hmm. I mean, are we looking to build bridges or burn them? Um, if your intentions are, are pure in that regard, you really can't go wrong. Um, and I believe that I believe that in writing, too. Uh, you know, a writer doesn't have to necessarily have all of the experiences of all of the characters that uh, they want to write about. They just have to have enough of a loving curiosity about each of their characters that they can see them as complex beings. Yeah. And, you know, even in something as lighthearted as a comedy, I, I believe in that. And I think that that's you know, what we did here. You know, there's been a lot of talk about diversity in casting in Hollywood. And a lot of times that the way that that has played out has been to just put diverse faces over the same old narratives. Um, and, you know, I think that that's a mistake to see it that way. I mean, it's not just about putting diverse faces on uh, the same old narratives. It's about reimagining the narratives and moving them forward uh, and seeing that there's a whole complex world of human relationships and human diversity that we often don't get to see. Um, yeah. and it may be hard for people to believe just watching, you know, the trailer for this short film and <laughs> knowing what the subject of matter is about, but I really do think at the end of the day, we, we start a conversation about that. Yeah, hundred percent. And I like the way you, the, the, it's plotted out as well. Just to jump back to what you're saying, it's sort of like, it's like a romantic comedy. It's being, it's the same romantic comedy from 20 years ago, except that the cast is a little bit more, there's the gay character, there's the black character. But they're still playing the same roles as the same romantic comedy from 20 years ago. It's just that they just happen to be that person happens to be gay. <laughs> right. So for no 100%. reason whatsoever, except that, oh, look what we're doing. We have a gay character. So we're, we're doing the good. We're doing right. The right thing, I guess. And, you know, I, I think that like sometimes Disney is the number one offender uh, uh, in that regard, too. 
um, you know, the, the, the Disney best friend I have in mind, you know, even in the way that they introduce uh, um, uh, queer characters into, you know, their animated films. It's just the, the, the character has no real agency. They, yeah. they exist simply to be a representation of yeah, their sexuality, exactly. but, yeah. but that's not how we live in the world. I mean, we don't just live as representations of our, of our race, our religion, or our sexuality. We're, we're uh, complex beings. We're dynamic. You know, we, yeah. we, our beliefs change over time too. And I just think that if you, if you don't um, regard, re regard that and respect that in filmmaking, it eventually just leads to decay. Yeah. I, I was reading uh, Viola Davis's uh, biography, which is fantastic. Cause she talked about that, like all the best friend black roles that she played. And it was like, okay, enough. <laughs> okay. Like <laughs> I'm friends with a white woman and she, she has all the, she's doing all the character development and I'm doing nothing. I'm just being the black best friend because, and I just happen to be black. It's like, let's move, let's move forward from this. Right. It's the same kind of analogy with like the, the gay characters, I guess, like as you described in the Disney movies. I mean, absolutely. And, you know, for, for actors, especially it, it can be exhausting. It is exhausting uh, to have to put the, the weight of uh, an entire identity on your shoulders. Nobody should have to do that. Yeah. Um, nobody should have to represent um, a single identity. Yeah. They are who they are. Right. So it's like, I'm watching, they, I'm watching billions of like, you know, okay show, but they have the non-binary character. And she's fantastic and she's bad and she's good. And, or sorry, I should say they, I apologize. They're bad. They're good. And it's like, but they don't, nobody cares what, if they're, that they're non-binary. So there's a good example for that I'm seeing in the television right now where like that character is just being, you know, like the capitalistic douchebag that every other character on that show is right. Exactly. Uh, we can be heroes, we can be villains and we can be everything in between. Yeah. And I think that that's a great example too, is, you know, many times what has happened in terms of representation up to this point is, is that if you wanted to have a queer character, they had to spend most of their screen time in a way apologizing for their queerness, making it okay, making uh, cishet audiences okay with the fact that they're queer. Um, but it's time to move past that. It's, yeah. it's time for, for queer stories to stand on their own and, and in their own right and for their own reasons and yeah. not have to apologize um, for, for any of it. Yeah. Okay, let's talk about the plot of this film. It's a really nice device because your character, your main character is texting somebody throughout the film. And then while they're texting somebody, we're meeting the characters in their lives, right? Like the, from the school, from the, the, the friendships, the mom, of course. And it's like, okay, who is this person talking to, right? That's sort of the 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 device, and it's like a it's like a twist in a sense where it's like we're we're in it, we're being entertained, but from a storytelling element, we want to know who this person's talking to, so we want to we need to watch the end of this film. Yeah, I, I'm I'm glad to hear you say that. Uh, yeah, I guess that that's Hitchcock's uh, bomb under the table, so to speak, yeah. at least as far as this film's concerned. Uh, we we know that it's something that uh, they feel guilty enough that they they want to keep it secret. Um, but their friends seem to know, uh, have an inkling of what's going on, maybe approve, maybe disapprove. Uh, but, uh, all in all, yeah, that's, that's what's driving the film forward is, is what is the necessity of, of the secret? So it's, it's, uh, Bear D'Angelo who plays your lead, right? Tanner? Yes. And they, they are just such an amazing, uh, actor to work with. And if anybody gets the chance to work with them, they're very lucky, but that is also very much true of the rest of the cast too. And I could gush about them for, for hours. So you, you better rein me in. 
But let's talk about Bear for a second because they they're carrying they're in every scene they're carrying your film they're young they're a young actor they're probably I'm assuming they're just starting out a lot of got a lot of writing you know it's a 15 minute film a lot of writing on this this cast where did you find that that actor? Um, Bear like all of them was the result of a lot of work. Um, we we were very fortunate to be able to work with Eisenberg Beans casting. Uh, Daryl Eisenberg and Ali Beans uh, were able to present us with um, many, many great options. And out of those options, uh, this is the vision that came together, uh, just in terms of, of the chemistry everybody would have with one another. And then, so that you like, was it, was it difficult? Did you, was that the first person you wanted to cast? Cause everything kind of like is, is, is projected through the, their, their, their the kind of the film was kind of shown from their perspective, I guess. Right. Yeah, yeah, and was it difficult? Um, there's yes and no, um, because something happens when you see the right person, where you're like, "Oh, well, that was it." But then you maybe doubt yourself, and you're like, "Well, I, I guess I owe it, you know, to myself to to explore what the other options are and the other choices that actors make." But then you know, w when you've seen it, you've seen it, and you come back to it. And uh, pretty much all of the people who were cast. I mean, that was the process. And I, I, I'm going to start at the end. Uh, or I'm going to make, I love the ending sequence in this film. I thought it was fantastic. <laughs> you did, instead of just having credits, you kind of like, well, you make sure you made sure that you, the actors, like the, the audience knew who all the actors were, who their names were, which you never see and including yourself. Right. Cause you yeah. make an appearance in yeah. the film. Right. I, I do briefly uh, appear as a teacher. Yeah. And so, and so basically that's fantastic too. Cause it's, it's almost like that old, like kind of like that old smoking the bandit kind of thing. Right. Where it's like, we're going to show you who everybody is. Right. Yeah. Thank you for picking up on that. Yeah. Cause that, that was the, the vibe that we're going for. Yeah. Yeah. See, we're, 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 we don't state our names, our age, but we're in that certain generation that we understood <laughs> that reference, I guess. Right. Yeah. Are you happy that I at least knew what smoking in the bandit uh, is? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, it's a good film. The second I one. I could say no. most of the cast and crew would not. Um, so, <laughs> but uh, yeah, you're and absolutely right. The dance right. sequence, right? And then yeah. you do give us a dance sequence in the end, which is fantastic. Thank you. Yeah. And, and again, everything about this film, the audience was in mind uh, because, you know, I've sat in film festivals, I've sat through shorts programs, and I've sat through good shorts and I've sat through bad shorts yeah and uh I know what I want as an audience member I want to be I want to be entertained I want I want uh, a reason to look at the screen and not look away and uh we really did try to focus on what will do that what will accomplish that easier and, said you, than done right oh well, I mean uh, absolutely and you know of course me being the perfectionist that I am I could Think of the thousand different ways that I could have made it even better, but uh, I'm very happy with uh, what we ended up doing. And so this short is actually a, a pitch for a series. Uh, I don't know if I've ever, I don't know if I mentioned that to you before, but no, it makes uh, it's like a proof of concept, but definitely a proof yeah. of concept of a of a feature or a series. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, I have always imagined it as a series, and I, I have um, uh, a series bible ready and waiting to go. I was waiting on the, the resolution of the, the WGA strike before mentioning it or moving forward with it. Mm -hmm. But, you know, that was another aspect uh, of, of how we filmed the short and why we did it that way was, you know, I believe television, uh, I think Dan Harmon actually said this, uh, uh, television should feel like an old friend, right? It should feel um, like it's easy to be with.
through the good times, through the bad times. It should just feel easy. It should feel comfortable. And, you know, I think that's why when we're stressed and, you know, we, we go to turn on Netflix or some other service, you know, and watch an old show, that, that's what we're feeling. We just want to be with that old friend uh, and it's comforting. And that's the idea behind the, the series is to, is to bring that back to television, that feeling like it's a, it's a group of friends, a group of old friends that it's just easy to, easy to be with. With with a nice social commentary, of course, yeah. And, I mean, uh, in the in the spirit of Norman Lear, uh, you know, who who is a hero of mine, uh, he he was somebody who was able to walk that line really well. And I'm not saying that I um, even half the, the the writer he is, or he was, but uh, that that's what inspires me is the ability to use comedy to break down barriers. So obviously, his if people don't know his famous TV show is All in the Family. And he was a part of a bunch of other spinoffs from that show, Jefferson's Mod. And he was he's he's been he's been writing for a long time. I think he's still alive, right? He's like hundred years old. Oh, that's right. I'm sorry. Did I pre- I prematurely uh, put him in the grave? Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I I apologize. Uh, he he is still amazing. Good times, right? Back in the seventies. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh yeah he's a he was a fantastic writer. You talk about, but he kind of like. It's interesting that he, because obviously Archie Bunker was making fun of people, but and he was making fun of himself while he was doing it. I guess it's that fine line, I guess, right? Yeah, I mean that—that's the social commentary that comes from from good comedy. Yeah, it's, so it's that, like yeah. a Trojan horse. <laughs> no, but this is kind of a modern, like, but yeah, this is kind of a different style. Like, this is kind of like a, what I'm trying to say is that uh, that, that show was like early seventies, Vietnam, right. Uh, feminism was coming out, you know, like, uh, black, black rights were coming out. So it was like, you got this racist kind of guy from, from, uh, Long Island. Right. So, and then basically that was a timely show. Your feel this, this like family fair, if it's a TV show, it's a timely show. It's about bear who basically, or sorry, the character basically kind of like being themselves right in the uh, coming of age, I guess, in a sense. While absolutely. The world, while society's coming of age in a lot of ways. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and throughout the series, we want to not only further explore issues of gender identity and gender expression and sexuality, but go beyond that into to greater social challenges like uh, poverty, uh, housing insecurity. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a timely show, of course. Right. And there's, of course, there's resistance from that progression and from society. Right. So. Yeah, but I, I think that that's it's right on the edge of that, the intersection of all those things where uh, great television, great stories are made. Yeah. So we, our festival, we send the, the audience to you. What did you think what the audience had to say about your film? Well, I'm glad that you, you gave me a chance to give you, give you feedback on the feedback. I, I've been telling people pretty much nonstop what a tremendous uh, gift it is from your festival to be able to receive oh, thanks. Uh, something like that. Because... You know, you can go to a festival, you could take your film to a festival and you could have a good experience and you could still not receive the level of feedback that you get from uh, Wild Sound. And it it really is the most valuable form of feedback to be able to see and hear the way that an audience reacts and reflects on the themes of your film. So in terms of, you know, any award, I think that... It's, it's not an award, but it, it feels like the best award to, to receive that, that feedback video. No, I appreciate that. That's sort of the agenda, the idealistic agenda that we had when we started this. So I appreciate what you just said. It's motivating. 
<laughs> I know sometimes it feels like our, our efforts are going into a, a black hole, but uh, they're, they're really not. And that's yeah. the reason why feedback is so important because yeah. feedback is what makes us realize that our efforts uh, are worth something. One, I can't, I couldn't agree with you more. That's sort of that, that was like, that it was very idealistic effort that to kind of spin the festival on its head. So I, like I said, sometimes it, sometimes it, uh, like it's, it was tough. It was a tough beginning. And now it's like, I appreciate what you just said. So, cause uh, people loved your film. It's, it's, it's pretty, it's, it's um, just from, like I said, from a storytelling perspective, it's a really nice, nice put together film, nicely directed as well. All told from the story of the character from the main character and nice little uh, side characters that have to come in and just could do one scene and kind of pull it off. And they, and it, they, they achieved it. Right. So it's not an easy film to make. No, no, it isn't. And, and, you know, you're right about uh, those supporting characters too. Yeah. Um, you know, people might think that having an under fiver is easy, but sometimes that is it's one of the hardest tasks yeah. to, to get right um, to, to do that and, and remain memorable. Yeah. Uh, so uh, you're right. I, Lucas Dagnita stands out to me and Emmett Smith, uh, who played uh, uh, Mike and uh, uh, Kevin, <laughs> respectively. Yeah. Um, but we, like I said, I, I'm really just so proud of the entire cast. Uh, yeah. Morgan McKenzie, uh, Mo McKenzie, rather, uh, Corey Barrow, Donna Vivino, of course, who's a Broadway legend uh, and uh, a legend uh, because of this film. <laughs> and uh, Dan uh, Dominguez. Yeah, hundred percent. It's like the you use a sports analogy. It's like, it's like, uh, it's like when you play baseball, you usually get a few at bats. You can kind of figure it out. But if you only get one at bat, you're thinking about it the whole time. It's like this is the this is my only shot. This is my only day on on set, which I'm assuming it was for a lot of these actors. My only afternoon on set. I gotta nail this. It's like a good role. I gotta do this right. So I, I this is all I got. So yeah, it's not easy. Like I said, their ability to interpret just pretty much right off the bat what would what would make this how to live the life of that character and, and yeah. make it work in the, in the film was, uh, was very impressive. Well, congratulations on the film. So you're going to, uh, did you say you're, you're going to produce one or like, are you going to, you you're planning on directing your next one or just writing and producing? Uh, writing, uh, producing and directing the next okay. one. Uh, I, didn't which know, is gonna... I didn't know you, if you like, if you, you were 100% committed to that, but yeah, I'm glad, I'm glad to hear that. I am. Uh, I'm, I'm committed to continuing to use film to start conversations. Uh, and the next one is going to be very different in that it's not a comedy. It's uh, a thriller. Uh, it's a dramatic piece about a minister who has a conversation with an inmate before his execution. Yeah, that's definitely not a comedy. It could be, though, right? Like you said. It could be, yeah. <laughs> but it's not in this case. Yeah. And we're going to be using that film to confront issues of uh, violent extremism and religious fundamentalism and it all takes place through the it's lens like a timely uh film as what's happening in the world today so yeah. as we're doing this podcast so exactly um i i don't think it's uh, that controversial of a of a position to say that we need to reduce violent extremism yeah. uh whenever and wherever possible and uh this film will give people a lot of food for thought in terms of what are the origins of that type of hate and how do we address it that sounds amazing. I love to, to see it. I love to talk to you about it in the future when it's done. And in the meantime, you're gonna prom you're promoting this film and and getting it out there and getting it seen at festivals. And hopefully, someone will will say, "Let's make a TV series out of this." I guess, right? I I'm, I think that that's exactly what they should do. Thank you for saying it. <laughs> All right. Well, let's talk. Like I said, let's talk when that film is done. I love to see it, and I think you're on your way. I love to see now. You saw from a producing writing standpoint. Now you're gonna 
get behind the chair and direct it and see what, what happens from there. Yeah. And for, for anybody who's listening, if you have a chance to submit to wild sound, please do it. It's, it's well worth it. I didn't pay you for that, right? I just, no, you did not pay me for that. Okay. Thank you but so much. But I'll Venmo request you after the interview. Thanks. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, Shlemiel, Shlemazel.